0: Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt guybe Good day, good day once again, Kingdom Corner Podcast followers. The great Matt Guybe here with you once again for a wonderful, wonderful episode of the Kingdom Corner Podcast on this soggy, wet January afternoon. And I'm here and I'm going to discuss the marriage relationship between a man and a woman and how it points to Jesus Christ and Jesus having a bride, for which is the church. And we're going to get into that. We've already been discussing it. Last episode, we talked about, I believe that was about the 8th of the month, we began to talk about how There has to be a preparation for the wedding between Christ and the church, and there has to be a sanctification, a setting apart of the bride, and a cleansing of the bride. And we spent quite a bit of time on that. The time before, we started to open this up and talk about the need to be in subjection one to another. And in that episode, that was, I believe, the first part of the month, like around the first or second of January, we talked about how it was so important that in every relationship that people have, that there is a subjection one to another. Now, the three main relationships we're getting into that Paul went into here from 521 clear up through about chapter 6, verse 9, the first thing he talked about was husbands and wives, Then he talked about parents and children and masters and slaves. Now, in every one of those relationships, we can see there's a husband, there's a parent. And in our case, we're going to talk about bosses instead of masters. They are actually, we've talked about them being the head of the relationship. And yet I emphasized to you over and over again last time that both needed to be in subjection one to the other. It wasn't my way or the highway type of relationship. There both had to be open communication between both parties. We talked about, as we opened this whole discussion, that in the beginning of this chapter, Paul was talking about our love relationship, our focusing in the vertical relationship to God, but then that carried over in these three very important relationships, and the focus went from the vertical to the horizontal, because... When you love God, you cannot help but have it carry over to loving other people. So, Paul draws upon the three most important relationships we will have husband and wife, parent and children, and boss and employee. Everybody is one of those or several of those relationships. And so, we've begun to talk about this. And today, I I just was reading through this again. By the way, we're going to be talking about in this particular episode, I want to title this, Presenting the Church Glorious, Presenting the Church, which is the Bride of Christ, Glorious. Today, we want to attempt to present a picture of the most glorious wedding that will ever take place, and that is between Christ and His Church. That's us. Remember I told you before about typology and how people, objects, events often typify are a metaphor or speak of something else that is greater, that's what's in view. That's the most important thing that's in view when we're talking about marriage. That's why I think he lists it number one. There's no other relationship on this planet that's more important than a man and woman in the relationship of marriage. Now, you may not be married. You may never get married, but you do have parents. And so, all of us are affected one way or another by that. And that's why, in particular, I believe in the 50 years since I left high school, why that has been so contested the marriage relationship and why we see so much divorce in our society today. There's nothing that the devil wants to take away more from men and women than a promising, fulfilling, loving marriage because there's no greater picture of the apex of what Christ wants to accomplish in this earth than the marriage relationship. Jesus, we were talking about typology, was the Lamb of God, it says. The Lamb, he wasn't a literal Lamb, but he was like we're talking about, another type. That's another picture. He was the Lamb in that he represented the Lamb that was in the Old Testament offered as a sin offering. He was that pure, spotless Lamb. That was offered as a sin offering. Then we came to know Jesus because we accepted that, and from there we are ushered into being the church, actually being his bride, and we will be with him for eternity. In the end of time, after the rapture, With some which most of the church believes in, when he comes back to earth, he will be united with the bride, the church, and it will be the most awesome wedding, the most awesome union that you could ever imagine. And it's a typological thing. I want to go through this verse today, and I want to just point out to you why this is more than just talking about the marriage relationship. It's pointing to something greater here. Like I said, it typifies the bride of Christ and Jesus taking the bride of Christ as his bride. Now, let's read through these verses, and I've highlighted different sections. I've highlighted in orange where it shows the husband and the wife part, and then I've highlighted in blue where it switches over and it talks about the metaphor goes into talking about Christ and the church. They're both intermixed here. You cannot read this without seeing that this is pointing to something greater than just the regular marriage relationship, and why this is such a special, special relationship. Verse 22, I highlight in orange, because it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife. We've talked about that last time. So this is the marriage relationship here. And then he goes on to connect it in the same verse, as also, so wives submitting to husbands, as husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. See, he's comparing that. He is the Savior of the body. And then also, verse 24, also speaks of Christ and the bride. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, then we switch over to the husband and wife relationship. Let wives be there to their own husbands in everything. So it's a comparison. As the church is subject to Christ, wives are to be subject to their husbands. It's pointing to the greater relationship of the bride of Christ and the church and the submission. The submission in marriage is typologically related to the church submitting to Christ. So let wives—it switches back to be subject to their own husbands and everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. That's, again, the marital relationship here on earth. And then it switches over. To the greater picture, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Well, I asked the question last time we were together, how can that be possible? It can't be possible. Man cannot love his wife in the same way that Jesus loved the church. Because Jesus gave his life for the church, right? Uh, And yet, that is the picture. Husbands are to lay their lives down for their wives, you know through the 40 or 50 years of marriage, if they're married that long, or even physically, if it came to that. Well, husbands love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. See, that's the picture. That he might, Christ did this, why? To sanctify and cleanse her. We talked about that last week. With the washing of the water by or in, we talked about the word. See, there's the greater picture. We're talking about something more than just marriage between a man and a woman, talking about the marriage of Christ to his church and how he's getting her ready. And then verse 27 really highlights this this bride of Christ. That's where I took the title from, Presenting the Church Glorious. Listen to this, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Verse 27 is just talking about the bride of Christ in the church and how she's going to be presented to Jesus as his bride. Then verse 28 switches back to the husband and the wife. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Why? Because they're one flesh. That's why they become one. For, and we're going to see that more in the verse here. Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Then, in the middle of verse 29, he switches back over, just as the Lord does the church. He's comparing it. We cherish we cherish our wives. They cherish us, just as the Lord cherishes the church, okay? Verse 30, for we are members of the body. Again, we're talking about the bride and the bride of Christ or the bride of Christ and Jesus, the groom. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. That's not talking about marriage here on earth. That's talking about the marital relationship between Jesus and the church. For this reason, and this is a quote, this verse is a quote from Genesis 2.24. It's taken right from there. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and a mother and be joined to his wife and the two Shall become one flesh; they two shall become one. And here's the pictures. It is talking about the man and the woman becoming one, and yet still it's kind of both. It points to something greater. Verse thirty-two says that this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. In other words, thirty or verse thirty-one. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one. Uh Aha. This is a great mystery. What is he speaking of? The verse defines it. I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's the picture of why marriage is so precious and beautiful. Because the man and woman are to become one. That doesn't mean, like I said, I think in... The previous episodes that they don't have their own ideas and opinions at times, but they come together in purpose. They come together in relationship as one. They're made one. And I'll have to tell you, after 40 years of being married, and it hasn't all been a bed of roses, and I haven't done everything the way God would have me do it. I've fallen. I've failed. Yet the more you follow Christ, the more you do become one. The more you, you work together, the more your purpose becomes intertwined where you can almost not be able to separate your purpose from the woman's purpose or her purpose from your purpose as the husband. Just like I told you, I think the picture of the oxen pulling together in a yoke is such a great picture. They have to pull together. In marriage, a man and woman has to pull together. It's not one is totally greater than the other, though one may lead a little bit. There might be a leading oxen, I've been told, but they have to work together, okay? We talked so much about that in prior episode. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Verse 33, this is back to the husband and wife. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wow, isn't that a beautiful, beautiful picture? That is a beautiful picture. Let's go now and look a little bit at that verse, the verse that's the apex of this whole passage, verse 22 to 33, I believe is verse 27. And I want to go back to that, point a few things out there, and then we'll be done for today. I want to read that again. I'm reading the New King James Version. This is the apex of these verses of the marriage relationship between the husband and the wife and what it points to and what it means. That he might present her to himself, and he's talking about the bride of Christ, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Let's talk for a minute before we close today, about presenting the church glorious, that is presenting the bride glorious. Let's talk about that. Let's look at that verse further. The literal Greek would say it this way, the way it was written in the Greek language, that he might present, whoops, let's go back, verse 27, the Greek says that he might himself present unto himself the church glorious. Let's read that again. That he might present unto himself the church glorious. This is the literal reading of the Greek. That he might present himself, let's say it again, that he might himself present unto himself the church glorious is the literal Greek, and it speaks of the bride, the bride of Christ, that he should both that is Jesus, both, uh, that she should be both, I'm sorry, that she should be both, that is the church, holy and full of God's glory. Holy and glory are inseparable words. And we talked about last week that cleansing was necessary for holiness and glory to occur. What really makes the church presentable as Jesus' bride is because in verse 26 we talked about last week, or last time we were together, that the church had been sanctified and cleansed. They're sanctified. The church is sanctified and cleansed and now ready to present it in glory. Holiness and glory are inseparable, and cleansing is necessary for both to occur. Holiness is glory that is internal, and glory is the outward manifestation of holiness. Think of Moses and when he came down from the mount. After 40 days meeting with God, his face shone radiantly, so much so with the glory of God that he had to put a veil over his face. It talks about the radiant faces in Psalm 34 of those that go before the Lord. They have radiant faces, okay? Glorious in the Greek, the word is endoxus. It means of high esteem, held in high honor, gorgeous, splendid, noble, Clothed in nobility and honor, illustrious. So let's read it this way, that he might present himself, that he might himself, let's say that again, that he might himself present unto himself the church of high esteem, held highly in honor, the church that is gorgeous, splendid, noble, clothed in nobility, also clothed in honor. And made illustrious. Let's read it again, that he might himself present unto himself the church highly esteemed, held in high honor, gorgeous, splendid, noble, clothed in nobility, with honor and illustrious. The labor of baptism, we talked about that last week, verse 26, the labor of baptism, which pointed In the Old Testament, to the priest washing in the labor before they went into the Holy of Holies because they had to be pure, that speaks of baptism, okay? And baptism then, through the declaration, the labor of baptism through the declaration of the Word is God's vehicle and instrument of cleansing, so the glory of God will show forth out of us. Let's read that again, the labor of baptism, that washing, that cleansing. We're actually talking about baptism, being baptized, where we go down in the water as an old man. That's what that typifies. Again, we're talking about a type, a tip, something that's a metaphor. And we raise up as a new man in Christ. Well, we talked about in other episodes about burning the old clothes and putting on the new. That's what we're talking about, the labor of baptism— This is accomplished through the labor or the cleansing in the labor, through the declaration of the word also. And that's God's vehicle and instrument of cleansing. So the glory of God will show forth out of us. Christ is now preparing us for that great wedding day. Talked about last week about the sanctification and the cleansing. Okay? So that's what we're talking about. Presenting the church glorious, the bride glorious. Okay, let's go on. Let's read in Matthew 25, 1-13. It talks about this more. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Please note that. But the prudent took oil in their flasks along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was sleeping... They all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us, and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came— And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. We're talking about the wedding of the Lamb, of Jesus and the church here, and about the virgins. The virgins are the church. And some of them were out of oil. Do you know what it's like to be out of oil? Well, I tell you a story about my own daughter who used to drive, when she first started driving, would drive her car until the oil light went on. And she almost destroyed her engine because she didn't put oil in. You have to be topped up with the oil of his spirit to be prepared when he comes for the church and he's united in matrimony to the church. You have to have oil. You have to be topped up. How much of the oil of the spirit can you have? As much as you want. It's without limit. Can there ever be too much oil? Well, I mean, in the natural there can. I almost destroyed an engine, overfilling it with oil, and yet in our own holy vessel, We can never have enough oil. So we need to keep our vessels, our spirits topped up with the oil of the spirit. That's what this is talking about here. Being ready for the marriage, being ready for the wedding. Okay, Revelation 19.7 said, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb and his bride, and the bride has made herself ready. Okay? We've talked about that before. He gets us ready by cleansing us, by bathing us. And yet, there is a part that we do, and that is just to be willing to be chosen, keeping our vessel topped up with oil. We must, as I've talked before in episodes, we must choose to be chosen. We can't work this up in our own flesh, in our own strength, yet we can make ourselves available so he can top us up with the oil. We can make ourselves available before him so he can cleanse us. We can make ourselves available. That's the setting ourselves apart. Not being too busy or not falling asleep like these other maidens did or virgins did. Revelation twenty one, two. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, ordained for her husband. So we're talking about the wedding, the marriage relationship that we're talking about in this scripture. Ephesians five, twenty two to thirty-three. That's what it really points to. Second Corinthians five nineteen. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. In Ephesians, Paul is revealing to us here that God is calling his church to glory, power, and a perfection, a completion. Perfection here means completeness, blamelessness. He's working with us both individually and corporately to produce a bride without spot or wrinkle that's complete and blameless. Does that mean we won't sin? No, but we won't make sin a practice. We may fall from time to time, but he's completing us. Not having a spot, not having spot, that is a moral blemish or stain or defilement. God will cleanse away the spots and iron out the wrinkles. Song of Solomon 4:7. Thou art fair, my beloved, there is no spot in thee. Read the Song of Solomon. That is a deep book. It's about the marriage of Solomon to his beloved bride, Abishag. But again, you get in there and you begin to see that it's a much greater, greater relationship that is in view there. It's talking about something far greater than marriage between a man and woman. It's talking about the marriage between Christ and his bride, the church, even in the Old Testament. Now, let's read this one, Matthew 22, 10 to 14. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. See, the master said, nobody will come to my wedding. So go go out into the streets and bring people in. So that's what they did. They were bringing in anybody, evil and good. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. Ooh, And he said to him, friend... How did you come here like that without wedding clothes? Can you imagine going today? People dress pretty casually today, yet one of the things we still dress up quite a bit for is a wedding. Can you imagine going to a wedding in sweats? (laughs) Wouldn't that be embarrassing? Everybody else is so dressed up. And that's what this was like. Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? and the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and throw him out the door. You know, so that's what they did. He wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared for the wedding. Do you still have your old clothes on? We talked about that before, about burning your old clothes and putting on the new clothes, the new nature of Jesus, right? We talked about that in another episode before. Without blemish, that is with out rebuke or blame, faultless, morally blameless is what the word really means. No spot or blemish. And there were other men that were blameless like Job and Abraham. But did they sin? Yes. But they didn't make sin a lifestyle. And God said they were blameless. No spot or blemish. Christ was the lamb without blemish. And that points again, I told you the typology, to Leviticus twenty-two twenty-one. A peace offering had to be made without blemish. And we're talking about a lamb that was spotless and pure. And that typified the offering, you know, thousand years later of Jesus Christ on the cross, because he was perfect. He was without spot or blemish. How much more, Hebrews nine fourteen, shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God to cleanse our conscience? That's what it says there. Colossians 1.22. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him blameless and beyond reproach. See, he could do that. Christ could do that because he was perfect. And now he's offered himself in our place. And we're viewed as perfect, too, because we've accepted that sacrifice. Listen to this verse, Philippians 2.15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked, crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Let me read that again. That's so applicable to our society today, to the the society we're living in, especially what we've seen recently here in the last week or so. Philippians 2.15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Wow, we shine. We're to shine out as the bride of Christ and draw others into the bride to know Jesus and become part of the bride. Ephesians 1, four. just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Wow. And he's making us holy and blameless. He's cleansing us, setting us apart and cleaning us up. Now unto him, Jude 1.24, that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. See, it's unto him. He's the one that's able to do it. Not in your own strength. Unto him that is able, he's the one that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Let's finish up here. Let's go back to the apex of this whole scripture. And then next week, I think we're going to come back and we're going to finish up here with the marriage relationship because it's so important. Let's go back to the verse that's in the middle of this passage, Ephesians 5.22-27. through 27. Let's hit that again as review. Verse 27 says in the New King James 5.27, Ephesians 5.27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Let's read what the Greek says. Literally, that he might himself, who's doing it? Not you or me, we're not doing it. He's presenting us. That he might himself present to himself, who? That's you and me, he's presenting us. He's presenting the bride, that is us, to himself, for himself, the church glorious. Namely, as his bride. Let me read that, the, some of the uh, literal language there of that word endoxus there to just end up here, that he might himself present unto himself the church endoxus, that is the church of high esteem, a church held in high honor, a bride that is gorgeous, that will knock down everybody when she walks by, right? They'll be so wowed by her glory. Gorgeous, splendid, that he might present a gorgeous and splendid Bride, clothed in nobility and honor, illustrious. How? Through the labor, the cleansing of baptism, and the declaration of the word. Okay? You've got to declare the word. You've got to declare that you today, by faith, are the bride of Christ. Glory without spot or wrinkle. Not that you're trying to work it up in yourself, but you're setting yourself aside to him to allow him to do that in your life with His power and His might. So my friends, thank you for joining me today here at the mm-hmm. Kingdom Corner podcast, talking about the marriage relationship, how about it so much more than just marriage. Why it's so precious to God is because it points to the marriage of His dear son Jesus to the church. And we must, we must have a pure, holy, fulfilled marriage You know, we want to typify that as the type of the bride that is the church and being wed to Jesus, because that's what the main, that's the ultimate call that God had in mind when he created this world to have a bride for his son. So I want to say one more thing before we close here. This is just an announcement. In the next few days here, I do or I will post a response to what's been going on this last week here in our nation. I've been very troubled by it. And yet at the same time, God is encouraging me about what went on in Washington, D.C. with the uh, protest and riot, the change of our government, how we should view those things. I want to come on here. I, I believe I'm going to be interviewing maybe one or two people for this, and I will post another podcast. I just I didn't want you to think that I'd completely forgotten about that. It's so important. It's important to study the Word of God to keep on, I believe, with Ephesians, because that's what God has put us into, and, and there's been so much, I think, rich food there for us, but we can also not neglect what's going on in our country. And at times, we need to speak to those issues, not in a judgmental, hateful way, But as peacemakers, as those from the heart of God and the heart of Jesus that would bring the whole counsel of God, the whole mind of God about those issues. So, in the next few days, I will be posting or uploading a podcast in response to what's going on in Washington, D.C. Just like we said before, today was presenting the church of the bride glorious. Be blessed. Have an awesome day. Have an awesome week. Thank you for just turning out and supporting my podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Guide. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the Book of Ecclesiastes, Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, SignificanceAcademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.